Everybody and welcome to a Monday edition of the PHLY Eagle Show. I am Zach Berman, and this is not Bo Wolf. This is Rich Hoffman, the most versatile person here at PHLY, the author of our outstanding morning newsletter. Uh, and we have a lot to, to discuss today. But before we get into this, this whole open, I have Rich. I need to know you're filling in for Bo C today. What's it like the night before? Are, are, are you coming up with bird puns? Are you preparing esoteric jokes? Are you trying to figure out how to make me uncomfortable? What's, what's that process? I feel like Bo has probably spun that when, uh, when I have sat in your seat and, and kind of brought up the, uh, the things you do on a normal basis, Zach. So the answer is no. There is, <laughs> there is one Zach and there is one Bo, and I am just here to do the best to fill in this hour of time. Well, we're, we're pumped to have you, in, and we'll, we'll kind of give you a, a sense at the top of the show what we'll get into. Obviously, uh, the, the coordinators, the Eagles added Vic Fangio officially on Saturday, and then we heard Kellen Moore Saturday night. Bo and I did a show on Sunday about it. You can check that out. Also, there's a story on allphly.com, and you have it in your newsletter today. We'll have a reaction to that. Uh, and we will look at January 29th. That's January 29th today in Eagles history. Three years ago, Nick Sirianni had that press conference we all remember. Last year, the Eagles beat the 49ers on that date. Uh, but speaking of beating the 49ers on that date, the Eagles are no longer NFC champs. They had that distinction for a year. Now San Francisco holds that distinction after winning yesterday's game, and Kansas City is back in the Super Bowl like they always are, it seems, four out of five years. So you watched those games. What was your big takeaway? Well, Zach, I am more of a fan than you are, and it kind of reminded me of the worst conference championship day as a fan that I can remember, and that was 2011. When, hmm. uh, when I was not happy, I was a college student in New York, I was not happy about Eli Manning getting lucky in the playoffs at all times, and obviously the Patriots were, you know, in the, the first half yep. of their run, but wasn't in love with them either. They had been the only team that had beaten the Eagles in the Super Bowl in my, my lifetime. So I was rooting for the other two teams yesterday, and it did not go the way I wanted. Uh, I thought... Kansas City was, to me, probably a little more impressive. That kind of felt like late-stage Patriots, sure. Belichick, Brady. Um, and that Lions game, I mean, it was, first off, it was a crazy game. And um, they just made a lot of mistakes in the second half, and I found that to be a bit of a bummer. But there's a lot to talk about, yeah. and I, I guess I can take solace, and one of them has to lose, at least in the Super Bowl. Sure, sure. Let, let, I guess we'll start with the NFC, because that's, that's most relevant to the Eagles. And you watch that game, and it's, it seems that the big talk today uh, is Dan Campbell's decisions, and specifically the fourth down decisions. And my view on, on that is this is what got them there, right? And you have to separate the decision from the outcome. There were a few plays there, in particular, I think, at the fourth and one, the pass to Josh Reynolds. It was a good play, good play design, and Josh Reynolds drops it. 
Um, then there was the fourth and three later in the game where the play just didn't work out the way they wanted. But I, didn't, I don't kill them for that decision. Do, do you have objection with the way Dan Campbell managed that game? No, I think it's the old, I, I think I might butcher this, but the Coach Flynn saying you got to marry the analytics. You, well, can't, yep. you can't date them. Can't date them. Um, and look, I, I'd like, I, I am probably the wrong guy to ask about this because, like, I saw with you at times in 2017 covering that Eagles team, yep. just saw like the belief that Doug Peterson going for it and saying, we are going to be the most aggressive team. And just like the confidence that that team had the entire year, just knowing like, hey, this is how we're going to play. Our coach trusts us. And I saw it work. Um, and yeah, in both cases, like I, I think the the one that Josh Reynolds dropped that fourth down, I, I understand the argument. You want to get up three scores? Like I, I do understand that. I don't think it was a gimme field goal by any means. But in general, like I like the super aggressive coach. Yeah. I, and I think a lot of times when a coach gets conservative or the aggressive call works, it doesn't get scrutinized as much. It doesn't get as much credit sure. when it works or whatever. So um, I actually thought the worst thing that Dan Campbell did and Ben Johnson did, running it. I agree. Third down, I was about to say that's that in my notes. Yeah. That was the thing that got me uh, got me angry. But, like, look, we can go back to the Super Bowl even last year. Like, Nick Sirianni punting on fourth and three. Yep. Again, like, I'm not even, like, feeling – I didn't feel that strongly about that decision at the time, but he punted, and what happened? They they really didn't get the ball back after yep. it was over. So um, that's kind of how I feel about it. I think it was, you know, they got a little bit unlucky, right? If Josh Reynolds catches that ball, if he catches the ball on the next drive, it's uh, it's a different game. But I think I felt bad for the Lions fans because sure. like it felt like they really were dominating the line of scrimmage for a lot of that game, and and to lose in that way is just it's tough. Man. Yeah, I I feel the same way you did about that that running play in in particular because. Because it's like if you look at the risk reward there, the the risk there is you essentially lose the game. Like you need to recover the onside kick, even if you score the touchdown. The most important thing, and I thought actually Greg Olson did a great job calling the game. He I, he's, I, I he's identified so good, it before exactly that you you need to preserve your timeouts in, in that situation. And I, I that was the. That was the play that I, I would kill them for the most. But as far as, like, game flow, I, I can understand the argument when you're up 14 in the second half, you go up 17, you make it a three-possession game at that point. My view on it is that uh, Dan Campbell felt they needed touchdowns, not field goals, that the only way you're, you're winning that game against San Francisco uh, is by getting to 30. And ironically, they, I mean, they got the 30, they, they still lost. Uh, but, but there are just so many things over the course of the game, like the Brandon Ayuk catch, um, and Ridiculous. that could swing anyway. So, I, yeah, like I, I view it that San Francisco, even though they have this, this great roster, I didn't come away thinking they were this, this juggernaut that can't be stopped. No, I thought their defensive line kind of kind of reminded me of the Eagles a little mm -hmm. bit. They're just uh, they're getting through and and making the Super Bowl here. But like their defensive line got dominated for a lot of that game. I thought particularly in the run. Um, and I'm just generally a guy like I just don't like kicking field goals. Sure, like, sure. Fourth and seven to go up, you know, from seven to ten in the middle of the fourth quarter. Okay, go kick the field goal. But generally, like when the Eagles kick a field goal, I come away thinking like. Man, I really wish they would have, uh, you know, pushed the envelope, scored a touchdown. It doesn't always leave a great taste sure. in my mouth, I would say. Actually, they had a fourth down in the first half at the goal line, basically, where they, they opted for, I think, the 21-yard field goal. When I, I, I thought then they could have been aggressive as well. But when you look at it, and we've seen this with the Eagles, we've seen this with other teams, 
there's this perception that, all right, well, the Lions are in the doorstep. Like, don't feel, you know, they're going to be back next year. And I heard Campbell say this, and he's, and he's right. You, <laughs> that was rough. <laughs> you can't get, like, like this, this might be the closest they get, right? Um, you know, and it's the old Daryl Morey line. And it's not the Daryl Morey line, but opportunity is not a, a lengthy visitor, right? Just because they're, they're, they're there this year, like, the cards are aligned. But I saw it with the Eagles this past season. What expectations, do, what that does to a team is real, and it changes it every week. Dan Campbell keeping it real mm-hmm. in the postgame locker room. I'm not sure that was the time and place to, to <laughs> yeah. offer that sentiment. Yeah. He's absolutely right, by the way. And I, I respect Dan Campbell as like a culture setter and just kind of a, you know, I think he's done a really good job as the, the CEO. Biting coach. the knees. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just, mm-hmm. yeah, he's a little bit, he's a little bit crazy sure. in some aspects, but I think overall he's done a really good job there. But yeah, I'm not sure that was the the time as the, the locker room. There's probably players sobbing. Yeah. They're sad. They're wondering if they're, you know, even going to be on the team next year. It, I might've waited till OTAs yeah. to deliver yeah. that line, but and, he's right. And, and uh, the parallels are there with, Last year's Eagles, it, I mean, the Eagles went one game uh, further, but similarly, the Eagles lost their offensive coordinator last year. We assume Ben Johnson's leaving this year, probably to Washington, and it's just it's it's a whole different team. And like you can look at it like they have all this young talent, um, momentum's in 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 their direction, but things can change quickly. And the flip side to that is Kansas City where things don't seem to change. And Andy Reid's been a part of your life and my life for 25 years now. Really? And uh, how many times did we watch the Eagles when Andy Reid? It was it was the championship game weekend. And, well, I can tell you how many times. Five times, five. right? And, and four of them, uh, yeah, did, did, did not work out the way the Eagles wanted. Like, it ended then. So, so here, here they are. Uh, and the Chiefs go on this great run uh, on, on the road here. Won last weekend in Buffalo, beating Baltimore. And what stood out to me about that game is they did not play them, but 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 they didn't lose the game. And I hear this often from, from coaches in the postseason in particular, and it might be a, a cliche, but you don't necessarily have to win the game. You just can't lose it. And Baltimore made more losing plays. It was crazy. They just completely lost their composure at a lot of key aspects. And I think, you know, the guy I look at is Zay Flowers, right? You know, he has that huge... Uh, huge catch and run, but he gets tackled. And honestly, that was a the Sneed made a couple of great plays sure. on that. The tackle was good in in the first place, and then he taunts the guy. And I am like the biggest anti taunting penalty guy. Like if it's you know if uh, it's borderline spot to call it, yeah. but you have to call it there. Yeah. Like you can't you can't yeah. spin the ball, sure. push the guy down. He has to know. Zay Flowers has to know. He that has there. to know. And then to reach over the goal line, like yeah. I get it. Like you know, it's easy for me to say in in hindsight, but it's like. If you get tackled there, if you get tackled, you still might score without that reach. You know, it's first and goal at the one-yard line, and it's, you know, I think that's a little bit of composure. And look, he's a young player. He's an awesome player as well, but that killed them. And yeah. it just felt like their coaching was was bad, too. Like, I know this is such a Philadelphia thing, but a lot of people have pointed out they got away from the run. And, you know... <laughs> the fans that, are going to love you for saying that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I'm not sure Kellen Moore is really <laughs> yeah, going to... That's true. We'll get to that. Yeah. ...quench the thirst for, uh, for running the ball more. But... Uh, yeah, it just it just felt like Baltimore they they lost their composure. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird to see an Andy team. They, they feel like the Patriots, right? Yeah. Like you're right. They didn't lose the game. They had about one and a half good quarters. I mean, Baltimore pitched a shutout after halftime against them, but the yeah. Baltimore just did not have that level of uh, of composure. I, I have one question for you. Just yeah. watching the Chiefs, I do think that defense is is really incredible. Sure. And is there like could there be some similarities with? 
you know, Spags and Vic Fangio, kind of, you know, former very well-respected defensive coaches, had a chance as a head coach, didn't really succeed as a head coach. And I think that's part of the reason the Chiefs are so good. They don't lose Spags because nobody wants to hire him as a head coach for, you know, I guess because he didn't succeed and he's an older guy. Um, But obviously, like, when he took over, that defense was the reason they didn't make the Super Bowl the first year. And, you know, they've drafted really well over the past couple years. I, I guess watching that game and seeing how far the Chiefs' defense has come and, like, two or three years, that gave me a little bit of hope that the Eagles can turn this around. Well, that's a great point, and I would answer that by saying the Eagles would absolutely love if that was the outcome. I mean, Spags won a Super Bowl with the Giants. Uh, he, he He's on pace now to win, or he, he, he could win his third uh, with the Chiefs, and I, I saw the in Spags We Trust shirts. Like, he is the head coach of that defense, and that is what you know that's that's what the Eagles are hiring Fangio to be, and and so I I th- I, I just think when you look at Steve Spagnuolo, he's he's one of the more underrated assistant coaches in modern NFL history. You can't dismiss how bad that Saints defense was when he ran it, how bad the end of the Giants tenure was, but his high watermarks uh, are ex- exceptional and. What he's done, you you pointed out well. Like Kansas City was on the verge a few times there, and they couldn't get through. And then they hire Spags, and and, and the way Spags kind of marries the rush and the cover, the way he usually, the, the way he uh, utilizes his his personnel, the the feeling that he has in calling the games. Uh, yeah, the, the Vic Fangio comparison makes sense in in that you. Ha- if I say you have the adult in the room, it kind of makes it sound like Sean Desai is not the adult in the room. But when I say that, what I, I mean is every situation that they'll encounter, I imagine Vic Fangio has seen it before, right? There's there's no game that could, in in essence, be too big, although Vic Fangio hasn't led the team to the Super Bowl. But point being, he's he's been in all of these situations against these quarterbacks. He has this catalog. He has this this database, and it's similar to what Steve Spagnuolo did. And and I, I, I like what you said about the Chiefs being like the Patriots because you got that feeling really since the opening round of the postseason that – the Chiefs will find a way. That it's like not, it's not their the best team, but they exactly. just, you're right. Like they're not beating themselves mm-hmm. and they, they are playing their best offensive football. You know, I know the Ravens shut them down a little bit in the second half. That's also an amazing defense. Like, yeah. you know, them figuring out is, is, uh, is not that surprising. Uh, you know what was surprising and something you probably knew? I was stunned that Todd Pinkston is the Chiefs running backs coach. Yeah. And the idea. He replaced Greg Lewis, I believe, who went to uh, the Ravens. Was Greg Lewis also the running running backs? Yeah, coach? Greg Lewis went from wide receivers coach to running backs coach, I believe, w- with the Chiefs. Yeah, um, I just think it's very funny watching Isaiah Pacheco, who is like one of the more unique runners I've yep. ever seen. It's like he's like angry at the ground mm-hmm. when he's running. The idea that Todd Pinkston, you know, and by the way, I'm not like Mister. Uh, you needed to play the same sure. position to, uh, or even need to actually play in the NFL to to do a good job as a coach. But it's just funny knowing that Todd Pinkston was one of the least physical players I've ever seen and kind of doing a very good job <laughs> with one of the most physical players. Yeah, like 165-pound Todd Pinkston out there. Yeah, it, and like the Chiefs, it, it might be I, – I think we're at a point in Philadelphia where you, you just need to have appreciation – for what Andy Reid and the Chiefs are, are doing, like I, I'm listening to uh, uh, d- to, d- to WIP on, on my way in this morning, and I get there's history 
with the Eagles and Andy Reid. Like, I was there at the end of the Andy Reid tenure. I grew up in this area when Andy was there. But what he's doing now, uh, like, it's historic. And uh, I'm not saying Eagles fans need to pull for him. What I am saying is, like, there needs to be just an appreciation, like, a respect for what he's doing. I, I agree with that, but I also am not, like— Oh man, the Eagles made a mistake firing no, Andy no, Reid. Yeah. Like, like clearly it, it had run its course here. Yep. He had had a couple of bad years, and like again, he's one of the greatest coaches of all time. But the reason he's winning all these playoff games is that he also drafted exactly perhaps the best quarterback of yep. all time. You know, and obviously he's got a long way to go to actually um, eclipse Brady's resume. But in terms of talent and accomplishments, it's it's pretty hard to beat that guy already. And you know, he he might only be halfway done his career at this point. And uh, we have two weeks to, dis- to discuss the Super Bowl, so we'll get into all the, all the Andy stuff. We'll get into uh, all the Kelsey stuff, uh, some Taylor Swift stuff I imagine Bo will want to have. But I, I did want to give a quick shout-out. Um, Olivia Reiner from The Inquirer was down there and actually spoke to Jason Kelsey. I, I don't know if you saw this. And Jason Kelsey uh, basically left it. You know, he, he said that – when he watches the Chiefs, like it gives him that that taste that uh, he wants to be involved some way. That whether it's you know he hasn't made his decision yet, he says, but um, he wants to be involved in the organization somehow. But if you did see that, like, did, did you come away thinking there's a chance here for Jason Kelsey to come back? Well, especially because I don't know what does he want in terms of a role in the organization. <laughs> Is it just as like an ambassador, or I mean, because like chief morale officer? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, by the way, he'd yeah. probably be awesome. Yes, at. exactly. So, like, I'm not even, uh, I'm not even uh, criticizing him on that. But I mean, I think the, the guy who I would compare him to in terms of just like the affection of the Philadelphia fan base and just somebody who's beloved is Doc. Mm-hmm. And Doc was like actually involved here. For yes, a he was. Years, right? The Super Bowl team. He he was a part of the front office. Yeah. yeah. So and then he eventually decided, okay, I. I think I'm done with this or, or whatever, which maybe Kelsey decides as well. But I, I would give him whatever position he wanted, honestly. Like, if he wants to learn the front office, I'm sure Howie would hook him up there. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if, you know, he's obviously a very emotional guy, Jason yeah. Kelsey. So watching the Chiefs at, like, the absolute height and, you know, celebrating a conference championship game, I wonder if, you know, when he goes back to his home in Philadelphia and he thinks about, oh, yeah, I got to go through the training sure. camp practices again. I got to, you know... I, I got to deal with the nagging injuries the entire year. I got to got to do all those tush pushes again, where I'm at the bottom of the pile, and <laughs> I walk yeah. uh, I walk dazed after it. So um, we'll see. You know, yeah. I, I did feel like maybe a little bit of hope, and, and that maybe it isn't decided. But on the other hand, like listening and knowing the uh, the reports of what he said yeah. in the locker room after the season, I'm also still not that optimistic. Well, perhaps Kellen Moore will change his his mind, and before. We talk about Kellen Moore. Do you have any subscriptions that uh, that you want to get rid of that are, are just kind of like hanging around right now? I, I just got rid of one uh, yesterday. It was the uh, it was like the Express VPN. Mm. Um, you know, just so I think I wanted to watch like an out of market sure. Sixers yep. game, and I and I I downloaded, it, but I I kept it for three months, and so I probably wasted about you know twenty bucks with that. I think. Well. If if that happens again, the place to go is Rocket Money because if you have subscriptions that you forgot about or that you paid for twice and you did not realize it, if you want to cancel the, the subscription and it's tricky or it's time consuming, uh, Rocket Money is the place for you. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and it helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place and if you see something you don't want, you can, you can cancel it with one tap. It's not even two tap. 
steps. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate lower bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled, $500 million, I should say, in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. That's rocketmoney.com slash PHLY, rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. And then once you've saved that money, you pull out your phone and you go to game time. Uh, there's, it, I was looking at it because there's a Villanova Marquette game tomorrow night. I, I wanted to check out. But there's also a big game in Vegas in a few weeks. And if you had an extra $100 in, in Vegas, what would you do? I, I mean, blackjack table, a, a good meal, enjoying the nightlife in, in Vegas. Would you buy yourself a great dinner? Would you, pop, would you put it all on red? Have, you know, there's, there's a lot you can do. Well, game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And right now, all users get $100 off when they buy a big game ticket with Vegas 100. With killer last-minute deals, uh, all-in prices, views from your seats, and their best prices guaranteed, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. You can browse through the Game Time app, and you can see all the upcoming events in your area. Last-minute tickets, flash deals, there's zone deals that's easy to find and buy tickets. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase, too. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, and you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total up front, and you know exactly what you're getting. It's a great deal before you check out. Buy tickets in seconds with two taps this time. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time right now. All of Game Time users get $100 off a big game ticket with code Vegas100. Term supply. Just download the Game Time app and use code VEGAS100 for $100 off a big ticket, a big game ticket. Uh, so now that we have that covered, yeah. let's talk about the news of the weekend. Wait, wait, one, one more thing on the conference yeah. championship games. What do you think of Greg Olson as an announcer? Oh, he's awesome. I mean, I think, and he he's losing his seat now because Tom Brady's taking over. But Greg Olson, first off, he does a few things that I like. As you know, and and I actually don't get to consume the uh, broadcasters as as much as sure. Like, you're, yeah. you're on the road, you're yeah. preparing for games, yeah. stuff like that. Uh, but the, the Sunday night games and the, and, the, and the Monday night games, I get more of. But but when I hear him, he's entertaining. He has he has good energy. He gives you insight you don't know, and he's able to tell you not just what happened, but what's going to happen. And I think it's crazy because you know the, the networks just started to pay these former quarterbacks. Yeah. Like I think Tony Romo is like seventeen million dollars a year. Tom Brady's like thirty. I think 37 and a half. I think 10 years, 375 million. And it's they gave him that money, and they had somebody who's awesome at. It. Now I don't know how good Tom Brady's going to yeah. be at it, but. It's gonna have to be. It's gonna be a pretty high bar to clear to beat Greg Olson. My, my point is, I need Greg Olson like calling conference championship games. I don't care if that's CBS taking over for Romo, who's somehow declined over the past couple of years. I don't really understand why that has happened. There's probably a story there. Um, maybe it's just because he's farther, farther from the moved, game. Yeah. yeah, and he was he was awesome at guessing the plays earlier on. But I mean, I just it sucks that Greg Olson is, is losing his seat. I agree with you, but my pushback to that would be the people who appreciate like exactly what Greg Olson does are going to watch the games anyways. Yeah. And Tom Brady, in theory, 
We'll see if it happens in practice. But in theory, we'll draw people to watch a game because he's Tom Brady. That's fair. Uh, well, I imagine Tom Brady's going to produce or broadcast a lot of Eagles games next year. Um, imagine the Eagles will have big games. And when he's up there, he's talking about his production meetings with Kellen Moore. <laughs> and he's talking about the times he faced this Vic Fangio defense. Uh, so Bo and I, as I said, did the show yesterday, thanks to Julia, too, uh, on... Uh, it was the emergency show where we kind of broke down the quick reaction to Vic Fangio and to my re- my regrettable Saturday night sleep. And now here we are Monday. We've had some time to digest. I got to read your your newsletter. Uh, also, the the news on Vic Fangio is official, even though we discussed it all already. The Eagles put out the announcement, had the backdrop, did the Photoshop. I always like the Photoshop when they put you in the team's gear. Uh, what's your big takeaway from the coordinator hires? Number one, I thought that was a pretty good Photoshop. Sometimes those can look bad. <laughs> You're and, right. And whoever is working for the Eagles graphics and digital team, n- nice work by them. Uh, did you actually beat yourself up for not catching that Fangio news? Oh, big time. And was, no, 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 yeah, the... Or no, the Kelmore. Yeah, the, Sorry. The, uh, Kelmore, yeah, Saturday night, big time. Big time. I, I got, I, a, I got to be on top of it. <laughs> and B, I got to be, you know, when it happens, I... <laughs> I gotta be, I, I gotta be ready to roll. I, I can't, I can't get up at 6 a.m. and see something happen 11 a.m. the night before. I'm sorry, 11 p.m. the night before. So yeah, I, I did turn to Emily, my wife, and say like, uh, all right, no more Advil PM, right? Because I've just, because if I'm in Advil PM, I don't hear the phone vibrate. And then I said, if you're up and you see me getting texts, you gotta wake me up. And then the other part is, um, I gotta make sure that that. Uh, that I, yeah, that I don't miss anything here. So I I see Austin say you're allowed to sleep, Zach. You're like you're like Nick Sirianni, man. I, I know this is a common no, uh, refrain. We can have from the Bo. conversation. That's fine. Yeah. I, I just thought it was hilarious. I mean, as like somebody who has covered a team before, um, I actually was having dinner with somebody who who covers the Eagles. I'm, that person's going to remain nameless before that that news leak. But my thought was flex. Oh, How oh, about man. that? Yeah, yeah, big flex right there. Uh, but my thought was, oh man, poor guy. <laughs> like, they got to go cover this, yep. and it's always like at the worst time. But the 11 p.m. news drop I, that was that was pretty weird. Yeah, I guess it was Howard at, at 10 or something. Yeah, like Howard that. at 10, and then the national guys came in at, at 11. Yeah, that that was tough. Now now this is just just really reliving the pain. But no, this it, I I don't know if the Eagles coordinated it is to it, come out at it, that time. I, I think it was just uh, that's when the deal was was reached and and it, and it came out. But I can tell you some more stories of uh, you know I was I was on a date I think when the Eagles signed Dennis Dixon and what? I had yeah, I had to roll from that. I was out for drinks when they signed G.J. Kinney. I had to leave for that. I was I was at the movies when Jason Peters uh, got charged in Louisiana um, for uh, or for uh, like some type of racing. Um, seems and, like all great things. Date <laughs> movies. This seems great. No, but all of those I had to leave. Like I left, I you know try explaining to a woman that um sorry the Eagles signed Dennis Dixon and like yeah <laughs> I, you know I, I got to go two hundred I, I got to go put up three hundred words on uh you know this this third string quarterback or whatever so so, so are you going to be refreshing your Twitter feed at like eleven p.m. this Saturday just to make sure oh yeah I mean yeah I, I promise you that I mean I I might be sending text out before I I go to sleep like uh you know I I admit before. I got married. I, I actually like like sent an email to someone in the organization, being like, "All right, let's let's hold news off for the for this weekend, totally. so I can I can get married and, and not worry about a practice squad transaction." Um, but yeah, the Saturday the, the Saturday at 11 p.m. news. Saw it the next morning. Texted Bo and Julia back, and we we did the show. 
gave some reaction. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I would be impressed. What movie was it? Do you remember? I don't. It was yeah. in, it, was, it came out in June. It was a comedy. Sure. Um, summer, summer I saw, comedy. I saw the, the theater doesn't exist anymore. It's, it was the one on Columbus Avenue. Oh yeah. I love that one. You yeah. know? Yeah. So I, 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 I went there and I remember, um, I remember getting the text and, uh, I think it was shout out to Jim Swan, my, my former editor at the Enquirer. And I, I, I had to go, uh, I, I had to go write a story and get comment on, on that. So I, I do remember that well. All right. Well, I will let the I will let the sickos look up uh, who got signed. Well, no, that was Jason Peters getting Jason charged. Peters. Okay, that was getting Jason. That was Jason Peters. Getting so if somebody looked that up with the box office numbers. I think we can figure it out. You, you probably could figure it out if it, I. You know, if if you pull out uh, what the movie was, I could tell you exactly what it was because I, I do remember. Uh, I if you say the name, it'll it'll come to me. Uh, but yeah, Kellen Moore, Vic Fangio. Um, you're a big takeaway, and, and I, I say this every show, it seems. Make sure you're, you're checking out Rich's newsletter. It's the best in Philly. Uh, it it's free. Is, it's free. As, some, it, as it, somebody who's written behind a paywall yes, with it, you it, for a long time, it's free. It covers, it, 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 it covers all the events, all the news, gives some, some humor in, a, uh, in an easy-to-digest to manner. And so I give that, that, uh, that, that ad, if you will, because you had in there stuff on the coordinator saying, yeah. I liked how you broke down the pros and the cons yeah. of the Kellen Moore situation. Yeah. I, I think my general point of view on it, Zach is just like, as a fan, I thought Kellen Moore was a pretty good coordinator for mm -hmm. the Cowboys. Like in the Cowboys had been the one team in the, uh, the NFC East where they, they've just kind of returned serve, right? Like the Eagles have had good moments against the Cowboys and they've had bad moments. They've gotten killed often in Dallas. A lot of the time I, I kind of view him as like, a little bit of like the offensive coordinator version of how I view Dan Quinn now. I know Dan Quinn had a rough playoff game, but I don't like it that he's the defensive coordinator for Dallas. He has given the Eagles problems over the years. So I guess that's my my main takeaway from it. Um, and, you know, we have seen him. You guys had the stats yesterday, like a couple top five DVOA offenses. That's good. Like yep. he clearly, and, and even in the bad years, like there's been issues, right? There's been injuries, you know, Bo, Bo's boy, Ben DiNucci, uh, like I'm not going to kill the offensive coordinator yeah. for struggling in that year where Dak gets hurt. DiNucci's taking it hard here. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Some DiNucci catching strays right now. Uh, so I like the hire. I, I think what, what interests me the most though is like, we know Kellen Moore is going to bring fresh ideas, mm -hmm. and Nick talked about you know how the offense got stale. I just want to know like what the implementation is, because mm. something you guys alluded to in uh, in yesterday's podcast, where he's not like a guy who loves to run the ball, sure. and, and and the Eagles probably when when Nick talked about you know like integrating different ideas, you know fresh ideas, but also the things that the Eagles do. That works, like I think you correctly pointed out, that probably means the running game for the most part, the stuff they're going to yep. keep. Um, and I want to know, like, whose purview is that going to be? Sure. You know, who's the one responsible? Is Nick responsible? Like, to get back to the Tim McManus, you know, what would you say sure. you do here question? Is this higher because it seems so passing oriented and it's not a complete departure like a McVay or like a McVay Shanahan? type style of offense or a college guy is, is Nick maybe a little more involved than, than we thought initially here? Well, he'll be involved, right? I, I mean, I, I don't think Nick can be, uh, entirely hands off. And the reality is that even if you're bringing in fresh ideas, you're, you're not reinventing football, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's things that haven't been in Eagles offense 
that will be in their offense now, but it's not as if it's the first time Nick Sirianni's ever, you know, seen motion or, you know, seen the middle of the field used despite what fans might say, right? So, yeah, I, I, I certainly think he's, he's going to be involved and he's going to be in those meetings and he's, he's, he's going to be there with the game planning. But I don't think you get a coordinator of Kellen Moore's experience and quality without – with you know, with, uh, without saying you're in charge, right? Yeah. With without handing over the reins, and you bring up a good point about the running offense, and that's really where I, I think Jeff Stoutland is a big deal here, right? I mean, Jeff Stoutland's the run game coordinator; uh, he's in charge of the offensive line. Those guys, even if Kelsey's not back, you have Lane Johnson, Jordan Mailata, Landon Dickerson, right? I, I mean, you you have. Um, you know, you know, Cam. There's Cam Jurgens in there. Like, you have experienced guys who are who are going to listen to Jeff Stoutland. Jeff Stoutland has a commanding presence in that room. So, in in the organization, I should say. So, with with if if you can blend Jeff Stoutland's run concepts, and remember, Jeff Stoutland's worked now for Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson, and. Uh, and Nick Sirianni in the NFL. Lurie could fire the whole whole staff. <laughs> Jeff Statland is staying. Yeah. I, I, I mean, he's, he's been a part of terrific run offenses. But before that, he was on Nick Saban's staff, right? I mean, he's he's seen uh, as he, he, he knows how an effective run offense looks. So I saw, you know, shout out to Dan Orlovsky at ESPN. I saw his, his tweet yesterday where he said, like, the Eagles are, are really going to upgrade the passing offense here. What, is there a good comment up there? Let's well, see. It, just said, it just says that I – there's a bunch of good comments. I mean, there's a bunch of people guessing the movies. Yeah. I think Nick said that it was This is the End, which great movie. No, I, you know what, though? That's a good movie to leave, I think, right away. Like, the first 30 minutes of This is the End is, like, is perfect. And then it, it slows down a little bit. It's still funny in, uh, in different ways. I think someone said The Internship might have been uh, – it, it was probably The Internship oh. or The Hangover. Yeah. Uh, the Internship or The or – the, or the hangover. I think the internship actually, oh. actually, which was a good one. Hangover part three. Yeah, you could have you could have left right away. I'm, I'm a huge Vince Vaughn fan. Uh, Vince Vaughn cracks me up. So yeah, probably uh, it was probably the internship. Um, but then yeah, I I, I want to give a shout out to Adam Lefko here. So, ha, have you gotten that before? How no. much you sound like Lefko? No, I haven't. And and Adam Lefko was in the news last week with his uh, breaking the Doc Rivers yes. hiring by citing CNN Sports, which I'm not sure exists really and, and Coy Wire will have an objection there. Coy Wire's their guy that they have like a one person staff there. Yeah. Well why don't you just why don't you just mention him then? <laughs> I don't know if that's where it came from or not, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, shout out to Lefko. I, I, I went to college with Adam. He's a Philly guy. Watches the show. I uh, appreciate Adam. Um, and so they said, that's a good person to have your voice sound like. Totally. I mean, yeah. he's like, he's doing really well, right? He's yeah. got the, the TNT gig yeah, with, exactly. with Shaq. And, yeah, and so, so, the, so you're going to go from sitting next to me to sitting next to Shaq, which Joya's already laughing. That's a striking visual right there. I don't know why that's so funny, Joya. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, just you can feel tall for the next you know forty minutes, and then you can sit next to Shaquille O'Neal. Um, the uh, yeah, the the basketball players are just comically big. It's, it's, you just get you just get used to it. When you get you used cover, to yeah, yeah. You know, as opposed to the football players who are. I mean, yeah. they're they're big too, but <laughs> yeah. like the fact that like like JJ Redick is always the guy I bring up. JJ Redick seems like a short guy when you are accustomed to sure. covering basketball. He's like six three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's beard tallest friend yeah. basically. Although as a consumer of JJ of Redick's podcast, which is outstanding. I would say uh, he has negative wingspan, which he always likes to yes, tell you. Yes, yes, yes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Um, yeah, so Jalen Carter didn't have, doesn't have a negative wingspan, though. And I, I wanted to know real mm-hmm. quick, though. That Good the, transition. Yeah, I like that. Thanks, man. Um, how this do you, guy's a pro. How do you think he, he fits into the Fangio yeah. scheme? Because that was like, you know, in like the, the film nerds and, and kind of the mm-hmm. people who actually know what they're talking about, you know, say that Vic Fangio runs like a 3-4. And, you know, I remember when the Eagles ran a 3-4 under Chip yeah. Kelly and Bill Davis. It was more like, you know, like stop the run, kind of control a couple different gaps. Where, where do you think he fits in to this, uh, to this Fangio? Yeah, team? so I, I'm, I'm going to bring up Jim Washburn, who back in, uh, in, in 2012, the Eagles drafted Fletcher Cox. And I'm paraphrasing here, but Jim Washburn said, said this guy was, or, or he, he said God created him to play in this defense. And then the Eagles make a change the next year. And Jerry Azanero is the defensive line coach. And we asked Jerry uh, about that Jim Washburn comment. And Jerry says, God created Fletcher Cox to play in any defense, right? And I feel the same way about Jalen Carter. And the reality is he played in, a, in an odd man front when he was at Georgia. And he was the best player on the field in the film. You know, if, if, if you go back and you watch the uh, 2021 Georgia defense, um, and this isn't me just like like giving a, a buzz line. I've talked to people in that building when they drafted Jordan Davis and they drafted N'Kobe Dean, and I'm asking about them, and they say, actually, the best player on the field was number 88, right? And that was Jalen Carter. Um, so, yeah, there is an adjustment. Now, it's not as if he's going to be two-gapping with Vic Fangio. It's, you know, the expression you hear is a, is a gap and a half. Um, so I think it's going to be a lot of the similar concepts. I think where it affects uh, – it might affect, I think it's going to affect the edge guys even more, right? And in particular, Josh Sweat will probably have to stand up a little bit more as a rusher. Um, but I think Jalen Carter can play in any. I, I think if, if Jalen Carter doesn't reach his potential in the NFL, it won't be because of scheme. It'll be, it'll be other factors. It, it, it won't be scheme. That makes sense. Um, and it does, I mean, I'm a little lower on Jordan Davis after the second half of this sure. year, uh, but it does seem like he can kind of play his natural nose tackle position. Um, so let me, let me ask you another thing, too, because I know people said Sean Desai was like a De- Fangio disciple, mm-hmm. um, and he was somebody who was kind of running his concepts and scheme. Do you think it's going to be like a lot different then from, from what we saw this year under Desai and, and maybe even under Gannon a little bit? I do. Um, I, I, I would imagine the communication will be more buttoned up. I would think that the... Like the implementation, the installation will be will just be smoother. There were warning signs in training camp that there were going to be some issues with the defense. And I know it's easy for me to say in hindsight. It's always easy to say in hindsight. But if you go back and you read our practice observations, like there was a, a day when they practiced at 
the uh, at the stadium. And Howie Roseman had to go onto the field because there was like defensive coordinator he, Howie. Yeah, there was like a there was some type of like substitution pattern that was not very you know that 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 was that was not working out. And they went to the stadium for that practice specifically because Nick saw some issues in the preseason game and felt that from a communication perspective, like in terms of getting the plays in, they had some 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 work to do. And they didn't do that for the offense. I I really felt that was. I'm motivated by the defense, so uh, so there, there 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 might have been warning signs there. Although I'm I'm going to defend Sean the side. The best this defense played all year was with him. Uh, like the second half of the Miami game was terrific. Totally. Um, the Kansas City game now it's kind of it's 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 I it's almost ironic that like uh, Valdez Scantling had that game clinching catch when if he catches it against the Eagles, that entire game looks different. Um, but still, you have to you have to go by the results. They played really well against Kansas City. So, uh, but uh, to answer the question, I'm expecting just things to be more buttoned up. I'm, I, I would imagine personnel wise, he's going to certainly have more clout. Vic Fangio, if he needs X, I, th- I think they're going to supply him with X. Um, I would imagine that this is more comparable to when Jim Schwartz took over than anything else. And Jim Schwartz carried significant sway in that building. Vic Fangio is someone who uh, who his reputation precedes him, and certainly in Philly, he he uh, there are are things he's 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 certainly going to have to work through. I saw a good report today by Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated, who said that um, you know communication in the Miami Dolphins uh, defensive room was not where it needed to be. One thing that Vic did is he didn't want his assistants presenting. All the information had to be funneled to him, and then he had to present it. It was part of like this this one voice approach to coaching that is somewhat old school. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how that evolves. Uh, and then I, I would imagine, too, that he has some say over how his staff looks. I mean, they're... We, we know they've interviewed for linebackers coaches. I'm curious to see what uh, happens with the secondary. Um, but it was kind of a patchwork staff last year, in part because of the timing of the hire. And, you know, in, in part because I don't know how much sway Desai had in putting that staff together. Uh, so I, I would imagine more inc- – I would imagine – that there's there's more kind of cohesiveness on the, on the coaching staff and with the personnel. Totally, and I, and I mean I was really hard on the coaching this year. I, I thought they were were not well coached at the end of that season, really on either side of the ball. And and you made a good point about the side. Like he had kind of a weird season, and that there were about three games. You mentioned the Dolphins game. I thought the second half of that Rams game was terrific, especially yeah. as you saw that offense get better and better mm-hmm. as the season went on. He also got lit up by Sam Howell pretty good sure. a couple times. So it was a little bit of a boomer bust. But at the end, it was pretty much just bust. So, you know, I, I agree. I, I don't think we're going to see guys running into each other next year. Um, I don't think we're going to see guys confused about what yeah. the play call is and the schemes and things like that. So overall, when I look at both hires, I think on paper, it, it should be a better staff than than uh, than last year. I'm just I'm just interested in how, like, I, I guess Nick is still the most interesting guy to me. Is like, what? how does he kind of bring all this stuff together definitely a head coach of the defense type not maybe not a head coach of the offense type but somebody who certainly will have a lot of sway in that um how does he how does he bring it all together well the big thing to watch with nick to that point is that nick's coaching for his job this year right and and i don't think i'm breaking news like if 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 they regress i can't imagine they bring nick back for for, for year five so um if things don't go well in september and uh, you know Nick's the head coach of the team, and he he knows his, his job's on the line. Is that when he says, 
you know, I, I, I need to do what I know. I need to, needed to do what, what I know works. Now, what you hope for the Eagles, um, if, 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 if you're watching this, you're an Eagles fan, like that they get off to a, to a good start, that things are humming, and that they kind of ascend as the season goes. I would just be – I'm fascinated to see what Nick would do if he's 2-4 and four, because if that happens, you probably want to do it your way, I imagine. Yeah. Um, one, one other thing, and I know this is um, – you, you have a couple months to discuss uh, discuss the draft and get in the weeds on that, that uh, subject. But because this is such a win-now mm-hmm. team, and these both seem like win-now hires, frankly, this is not – 2021 Nick Sirianni we're gonna we we like the coach you'll become and we want to see you grow um do you think that like that affects this draft this season because it's such a win now um such a win now situation where like I think honestly just looking at you know how Howie has done it over his career I I would think that they were gonna maybe draft the right tackle of the future exactly yeah that type of thing but because the defense is so deficient in so many spots like does that generally changing I, I know you don't want to get too deep into no the i'm happy that. to answer this this is right in my wheelhouse because i can say i don't want to say definitively but i can say with a with a strong degree of confidence it will not affect their draft plans i think when howie roseman looks at the drafts that did not work out it's taking joe and rager because they need a wide receiver and they and not just any wide receiver they need a, an outside wide receiver who can be a big play threat in the offense right mm-hmm. Um, when they're they're, wish, they're wish trying to draft the other one, <laughs> yeah, when they're trying to maximize for that year, and, and you mentioned Justin Jefferson, they thought Justin Jefferson, uh, or there were people in that building who thought Justin Jefferson was primarily a slot, and they actually liked Greg Ward in the slot, and they also wanted to play more twelve personnel with Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz coming back. It's 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 a roundabout way of saying that they uh, they did not maximize the team that they had um or that the 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 draft picks that they had and i looked at the i did a mock draft last week and i had the eagles taking a right tackle i think they'll they'll take a a right tackle to replace lane johnson if a good one's on the board and this is a good year for offensive line help um before we get is is there any last minute thoughts on on the coaches no uh, and as I said, you can check out Rich's newsletter today for some more thoughts. You can check out allphly.com, uh, where I have some extended thoughts on Kellen Moore. You can also listen to uh, our show, our e- emergency show yesterday. And the good thing is we're on every day year round. So we'll have a lot of conversation about Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio. Uh, but let me tell you about Bagels and Co. Okay, because as I said on a show last week, and I stand by this, Julia is the best thing that came from Brooklyn to Philly. The second best thing is Brooklyn-style bagels made in Philly with Philly love at Bagels & Co. These are huge bagels, the biggest bagels in Philly, very large. And there's not just large in size, there's a large in variety, 15 to 20 different types to choose from daily. They even have seasonal bagels as well. And there's a large cream cheese variety with 30 different flavors of cream cheese and schmears. So what's your favorite bagel? Uh, poppy seed. And what's your favorite uh, cream cheese? Uh, I don't really do cream cheese, actually. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> if you go to Bagels and Co. and you take that poppy seed bagel and you want to say, you know what? I'm going to make this a cream cheese day. You have 30 different flavors to choose from there. I'll do butter. 
There you go. Okay. I like that. Melted butter on anything is good. Uh, and you know what? They're an affordable brand. Okay. Okay. This isn't one of these places that you go to on Saturday and you're looking forward all weekend to like a, a $10 breakfast sandwich. No, this is a place where you can go every day because the, it's good food at a quality price. And in today's inflationary world, that's key. Uh, they, it, 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 and it's not just the bagels that are good. It's coffee as well. Really good coffee. And not and, and, uh, and on the same uh, token there, it's it's not like your $7 coffee cup. It's quality, do- it's quality coffee at quality prices. For the best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philly, head to www.thebagelsandco.com slash store locator to find the closest bagels and co near you and then let me also tell you once you get those bagels and you have some some dollars to spend go on to foco uh because foco is the leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel accessories toys collectibles novelty items and more they have the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms and if you're going to a basketball or a hockey game you can show off your love with team branded friendship bracelets i've never had a team branded friendship bracelet but they sound like they're in style now as are the hoodies and the jackets the beachwear even the overalls i remember when i was in like fourth grade everyone was wearing overalls they're back in style now you can get them at foco there is something for fans for almost every occasion foco has hooked phly up and provided awesome pieces for our sets foco always has our back for philly sports and they have yours too. get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non-presale items Use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Uh, So as I said at the top of the show, this is January 29th. And it's a day that I remember three years ago when Nick Sirianni was introduced. And it's a press conference that has often been mocked. But it's one that also kind of uh, has been used as an example of how he's grown since that day and how you can't judge press conferences. And it was also the day last year when the Eagles won the NFC Championship game, destroyed uh, San Francisco. Some 49ers fans might tell you that the result was invalidated because Brock Purdy got hurt. But nonetheless, uh, the Eagles uh, uh, won that game. That was the high watermark of the Sirianni era that day. And so I use that as a framing device because if you look at the public sentiment of Nick Sirianni on January 29, 2021, and the public sentiment of Nick Sirianni on January 29, 2023, if those are two ends of the spectrum, where are we now? It's been a, a winding road, Zach. <laughs> we've, I think we've, we've certainly grown from that, and then we've probably come back down towards that initial level. I would like to say, in, in preparation for this podcast, I read one article from that mm. podcast, and it was written by yourself, okay. Bo, and Sheil. And ah, I gotta say, how about that? I was impressed by how little stock you put into Sirianni's kind of presentation, him, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mumbling over answers and maybe, you know, being a little bit confused and his presentation not being 100% good. Now, I, I did forget that it was a virtual press conference. Yes. I know he was in the, the auditorium, but for some reason it stuck out to me that it, the way I remembered it was not that way. So it was good to, to, to go back. So I, I was impressed that you guys didn't put a ton of stock into that. Sure. You said, you know, give the guy a chance. Let's yes. see what it actually looks like on the field. Um, and I think my main takeaway, Zach, is that it's just crazy how much the expectation has changed in three short years. Like mm. if we would have said in 2021, that after year three, Nick Sirianni goes 11 and six. And maybe we don't know uh, exactly what happens in the playoffs. I think we would say, 
okay, I like, seems like it's trending in the right direction. We don't know what happened in those last two years. But because the team got so good so fast, yes. this year was unlike really any year I've ever seen, where I, I think they were 11-6, and six, but I also think the fan base and you know just reporters in general just judging the season can view it as a pretty big disappointment in a lot of ways and that there are a lot of things they need to get better at um so that, that i guess that's how i view it because you know initially we didn't know what we had in Nick Sirianni i know in January 2021 we didn't know what they had in Jalen Hurts like sure. Carson Wentz was still on the team at yep. that point Nick Sirianni was getting questions like is he going to be on the roster this year so it's just been like i mean just like a unbelievably news-packed three years where, you know, we've kind of gone all over the place here. Yeah, I, I, I think you hit it on the head, and, and it's it's where expectations really play a role in things because if you think to where to the state of the franchise on that day, like, man, they had, they had cap issues. They had quarterback issues, okay? Their roster was not particularly good at the skill spots, Um there were a lot of questions on defense, um, and Nick Sirianni was an unproven coach. He was not the hot candidate. Philadelphia was the only franchise that interviewed him, and he wasn't like, you know, we, we talk about Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon now as guys who've gone on to become head coaches, right, established uh, coordinators. That was not the thought of them then, right? And so, so they were putting their staff together, but there were so many questions, and uh, and you so I understand from like a franchise perspective, the Eagles are obviously much closer to the team that won the NFC Championship last year. Just when you look at the talent on their roster, right? But if you know if if this is like public office and there were um, you know uh, surveys of public approval, like they like they do for the president all the time, his rating would be in the toilet. Yeah. yeah, I mean his rating now would be as close to it was on that first day than any point. And it's fascinating to think because, like you said, 11 wins this year. The NFC Championship game, or the Super Bowl last year, won the NFC Championship game. And it is, you know, I, I watched, like, John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh had a dip, like, had an extended dip yep. there. Um, Kyle Shanahan has had years when, like, they've been in the top five in the draft, like, multiple years like that, right? The year, the year uh, after the Super Bowl for him was, was not as successful as this Eagles season. Exactly. And so you kind of look at it like for a team coming off the Super Bowl, 11 wins is, is decent. Now, the, the path that it took and this collapse is, un, is, un, is unprecedented. But when you hear the, the, uh, the dialogue and like the conversation around Nick Sirianni now, it's, it's atypical for a coach who's won two-thirds of his games. Yeah, but, but I also understand it because mm-hmm. I, I share a lot of those feelings and I was – I mean, I was really kind of disgusted with how they they played at the end of the year, how they responded to adversity at the end of the year. I I guess when you mention, like, how do we feel now versus 2021, to me it's the same thing for every football team. It's how do you feel about the quarterback, right? And I am going to say that I am more positive because Jalen Hurts was a complete unknown. Now, if you think Jalen Hurts' last season was an aberration, you might actually feel worse about this team because they have already Mm -hmm. paid him and they have to go through the same kind of cap issues again to, to get rid of him. But I don't know. I, I just think last year, what he showed, we talked about like teams that play the Chiefs beat themselves. Jalen Hurts did not beat himself. Sure. Yeah, okay. He made one little mistake, but he was a gamer. Yeah. And leaving that game, I had nothing bad to say about Jalen Hurts. I got to assume that that guy is still 
even if it's not ever going to be quite as good as he played last year, I still think there's 95%, 90% of that guy, and I trust his makeup. But I think it's up for debate, you know? Like, when we talk about the scheme issues, how much of it is, well, that's what Jalen Hurts is comfortable running, right? And, you know, if they go to a more motion-heavy offense, if the Kellen Moore brings these new ideas and these new passing concepts, how is Jalen Hurts going to uh, do with those? Now, I... I think he's probably going to do pretty well, but I understand why, you know, when the coach gets brought up, people look at the quarterback. Like, do you have a quarterback or not? I think the Eagles do have a quarterback, though, and as sad as I am about how this season ended, I'm still feeling better about them than 2021 for that reason. Yeah, and and the other part, too, is if you think back to to 2021, uh, there was a lot of scrutiny on Howie Roseman, right? And Howie had a tremendous offseason in 2021 the once trade turned out to be really good the trade with Miami right trading back in the draft getting the future first round picks still getting Devontae um, that was also really good and then followed that up with just a sterling offseason two years ago when they get AJ Brown they make a handful of other moves uh, so yeah so Howie has proven that he's he's really good at building a roster maintaining a roster that can be a harder task but 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 that doesn't that's not always as effective here what I like what Howie's done is he's still kind of maximized opportunity they, they have two second round picks this year um, and that's what I'm saying if Howie starts to make short-term decisions that becomes problematic but I, I think Howie's learned at least in the draft to try to keep that that longer view and that's how, how they help navigate out of 2021 yeah uh I mentioned the piece you guys wrote. Mm-hmm. I found this section notable. I'm going to read Ooh, something you wrote I like this. in I, January 2021 okay. because it made Bo me laugh. never does this. This and, is good. And it was, it was true at the time. And it was just you saying, one of the more interesting answers came when discussing how new quarterbacks coach Brian Johnson impressed him during the interview and how the Colts benefited from the immersion of college concepts on their 2028 staff and carried them over to the next two seasons. Uh, Sirianni said, he gives us the ability to take some things from the college game to make our offense a little more difficult Mm. to defend. And it's just like how much things have changed in a few years. And I, by the way, I agree with the sentiment too, that this is not all Brian Johnson's fault, but it's just, just crazy to read that from back then and think like it probably was true for a little while, right? Like Brian Johnson deserves some of the credit for what they did, right? And as the quarterback's coach in 2021, as Hurts kind of got his sea legs and they went to more of a run-heavy offense, and then they, you know, they had a great season in 2022. But it is just kind of crazy how, you know, three years later we're talking about Brian Johnson, and he is the fall guy, fair or not, for what was a stale offense at the end. That's a good writer over there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Brian, yeah, I agree. Brian Johnson, as I said, I I think he's been harnessed, um, and he was harnessed, and I think that's why... Like, teams are interviewing Johnson. Teams are interviewing Sean Desai. Um, I, I don't mean this as a shot at Nick, but I think that shows you who the, who the league thinks was kind of at fault for where things went wrong this year, right? Um, so I, I think that uh, – I think Brian Johnson, at his second chance, if he gets a chance to call plays and install his offense, he'll show that creativity that they were talking about uh, on that 2021 date. And then last thing I was thinking, because you also mentioned that they won the NFC Championship yep. on, uh, on January 29th. Um, and I think compared to last season, I, I think that just the big difference I have, besides whatever questions you have about Hurts, you just look at the overall roster right now with more skepticism. And that's not a um, uncommon thing in the NFL, right? If you have the loaded roster, that doesn't last, right? Sure. For, for a million reasons. For um, you know the, the fact that longevity at a lot of these positions is, isn't a thing. 
and the salary cap gets in yep. the way. And the fact when you have a quarterback, you have to pay him, and that makes it harder. But, like, I watched that Eagles team in 2022, and there were a lot of times you'd watch the games, man. You'd just be like, this is an all-star team sure. out there. Yep. And even when they were good this year, and even when I thought their talent was getting them these kind of coin flip wins, I did not feel like it was an all-star team. Especially on defense. From top to bottom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were, they were so deficient in their mm-hmm. back seven where you're like, Okay, you cannot say that this is the most talented roster. And you look at cornerback, right? Like, cornerback was one of the strengths of their team last year. You had two guys who were basically Pro Bowl players. Yep. Now we sit here and I say, all right, well, one of those guys probably can't be on the team this year because he struggled so yeah. much. And the other guy is an older player. Like, he's he's still fine, but... And then, and then you look at offensive line. You know, if Jason Kelsey retires, does that go from just an incredible strength and something that is just like the Eagles' superpower, their cheat code, to just pretty good yeah and i think that also changes things as well but i I guess my my main point on that is that things change quickly in the nfl they especially change quickly in philadelphia both for the good and the bad because howie has cleaned up his messes pretty well before Mm -hmm. but we have seen over both kind of super bowl cycles here that you know the the talent and and the the loaded roster that doesn't always last that long and as dan campbell tells you it's no given you're getting back uh, so, so well, well I, I, I like this. This was fun. How was that framing device? You know, Bo, uh, I, I, I threw it. I, I threw it to Bo last week. I'm like, I'm thinking of doing this January 29th thing. I didn't know if he, I didn't know if he thought it was a good idea or, 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 or not. Real quick, we have a super chat. Um, I, I want to get to. Has Sirianni wasted Dallas Goddard, 29 years old? Uh, Dallas Goddard did not have the season he he needed to have this year. Um, I think that if you look at Dallas Goddard from an age curve, he's older now yeah. than Zach Ertz was when they drafted Dallas Goddard and Brent Selick was when they drafted um, Zach Ertz. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Eagles drafted a tight end this year to eventually take over for Goddard, not this year. But I had in, in the mock draft last week, Jatavian Sanders from Texas. He's the second best tight end in this draft. But, yeah, I don't know if Sirianni failed him or if Dallas Goddard just didn't step up. But Dallas Goddard did not have the season they needed to have. And that's another guy where, you know, you felt good about the Eagles – Maybe they didn't have the best tight end in the league, but last year I was like, all right, they have like a top four or five guy. And like you said, Zach, like Dallas Goddard is 29 years old. Um, and, you know, how long can the Eagles rely on that at this point? So we will be back tomorrow, I believe, with Bo from Mobile uh, to have some senior bull talk. Uh, we're working on a time on that once Bo gets situated down in, in Mobile. Bo, well, I think we'll have a special show for everyone on Wednesday. And then Rich is back in the seat on Thursday. Uh, looking forward to that. Until then, this is the PHLY Eagles show. Bo would like me to say, I love you. Um, I would li- I like to sign off, which is uh, what a PTI always said, which is we'll do better tomorrow. Uh, so uh, thank you for watching, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for putting up with me, sicko. Y'all silly like the mayor. 